Hi, this is Bill Crystal. I wanted to encourage you to take a look at my free weekly newsletter, which you can sign up for below while you listen to this podcast. Each Monday, I'll try to fill you in on what's happening behind the scenes in Washington, what I think is worth reading, and what the Weekly Standard staff is up to. And thanks for tuning in to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. At least I hope you're there, Bill. I don't know. We said Shinseki whacked, uh, Jay Carney whacked. Maybe you're next. You know, I'm not answering my phone. I don't want to know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little insulted to be compared with Jay Carney, honestly. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting, huh? Friday after Friday in Washington. Yeah, it sure is. My understanding is that Fredo Corleone and Mo Lane are next. I'm not sure if yeah. that's... If that's right, but uh, so what do you make of these Friday decisions? I mean, I think President Obama was <laughs> excuse me, President Obama was wise both politically and you know substantively to remove uh, Eric Rick Shinseki. I assume he did ask him to leave, and even though they're of course portraying it as Shinseki's decision, uh, he didn't seem to want to leave as recently as yesterday. Uh, but it, it was it was just untenable, and now they probably have bought themselves a little time to be able to say, hey, there's a new guy in charge, give us time, we're fixing it. They may relieve some of the pressure. On the other hand, this is a scandal that goes beyond any one person, and obviously, in fact, didn't Shinseki's sins were more sins, errors of omission than commission, so far as one can tell. He wasn't a, doesn't seem like he was a very hands-on manager, but um, the system was bad, and they should have known it was bad, and people were falsifying records like right and left, and no one's been, people still will not have been held accountable for that, even though, excuse me, even though Shinseki is gone, so I think there's still plenty of uh, uh, you know plenty of, uh, of opportunities to look at the VA and also to insist on reform of the VA. <laughs> excuse me, man. Uh, so this cough, and I think the congressional Republicans really need to hammer this this piece of legislation that passed the House overwhelmingly bipartisan vote. Harry Reid's holding it up in the Senate. Some senators are now, like prior in Arkansas, are starting to say they're for it because there's so much pressure on them. They need to really try to push for a vote when the Senate comes back next week uh, and say this is Shinseki's, you know, we need to fix the, begin to fix the VA. We need to at least let some of the senior people be fired. We can't just uh, replace Shinseki and pretend we dealt with the problem. Yeah, I mean, there's just a uh, real concern about competence problem here. The uh, Department of Defense actually misspelled General Shinseki's name in their email alert that he was stepping down. And, of course, that's no big deal. You have typos. But at the same time, it just kind of shows that the, this looseness in the entire Obama operation that nobody seems to be in charge, no one seems to be ever held accountable, and no one seems to be particularly good at their job. And this is big government. I really think Republicans and conservatives need to say, you know, President Obama may be a little worse of a manager than Bill Clinton was, and Rick Shinseki may have been less good at running Veterans Affairs than someone else is at running some other agency. That was Kathleen Sebelius. <laughs> was Kathleen Sebelius so great at running HHS? I'm not so sure. This is what happens when you have big government, and when government tries to run health care, when government tries to regulate everything, and this really is a case for limited government. I mean, it's not just a case that Obama's a bad administrator and that he made some bad selections. This is a case of why we don't want government responsible for all these things. Uh, and the person whose job it has been to explain to us why everything is going great, nothing to see her move along, has been Jay Carney. I'm just curious, you know, you've seen a lot of White House spokespeople come and go. I think one reason that uh, Jay Carney set some folks' teeth on edge is that he was uh, 
his move from uh, uh, self-declared journalistic truth teller to a guy who, let's just say, truth telling wasn't his number one priority. Do you agree that people have more of a negative reaction to Carney than they have to, had to other recent press uh, spokes, White House press spokespersons? Yeah, I think so. And also the shamelessness of his not telling the full truth was really striking. Uh, maybe more striking because he had been a journalist and somehow people thought he should be held to a higher standard. But just generally speaking, the partisanship also was amazing. Um, when I was in the White House, that was ages ago, I think Marlon Fitzwater would not use the word Democrat or Republican from the White House podium. Mm -hmm. And he would not attack Democrats as a party. He would defend the president's legislative initiatives, but he was the White House spokesman. He was not the Republican National Committee spokesman. He was not the spokesman for the Bush campaign in 92. I remember a lot of you know times saying, I'd say, can we say something about this? And, and someone in the White House would say, well, that's got to be the campaign spokesman who says that. Carney just obliterated. No, that those distinctions have been going for 20 years, so I don't want to be too pretend this is just done by the Obama administration. But the Obama administration has politicized things to a degree that really is shocking. Obliterated the difference between the White House uh, institutionally, this particular president, uh, and for that matter, the Democratic Party, and you know, organizing for Obama, which is now what organizing for America, and all the interest groups of the Democratic Party. So. I also think that's something Republicans should pledge. Uh, if Republican wins in 2016, we're going to have a government uh, of, of uh, the, uh, ruled by law, and we're going to have people who respect the institutions of government and not have the whole thing run by partisan hacks who are serving one man instead of the, instead of the U.S. government. Uh, speaking of that one man, uh, there's been a lot of talk about you know, I'll put it this way. You know, we've had weeks in the past where people said, boy, this wasn't a good week for President Obama. Boy, it's kind of really tough. You had the rollout of the Obamacare and the website fiasco. That kept getting worse. Uh, and But I just wonder if this week with both the VA scandal, which is, a as you pointed out, has bipartisan concerns, the usual uh, strategy of dismissing this as Republican hate uh, is just isn't going to work. And then you add the fact that this deep into the so-called recovery, we just had a quarter of negative growth. If this isn't a new shift, if this isn't kind of the sort of long-term structural political damage to a president, to a party, and to its brand. Yeah, I think that could be. I mean, three or four weeks ago, I was worried that in the absence of an aggressive Republican message and aggressive Republican agenda on the Hill, and I still think that is an absence that's a problem, uh, that maybe the economy would keep creeping up. President Obama's approval seemed to be coming back a little. It certainly had stopped declining, declined steadily through 2013, pretty stable in 2014, even a plus a point or two, I think, if you look compared to the beginning of 2014. Uh, and that, you know, we could end up not having a big Republican victory in 2014 because of uh, Republican cautiousness and complacency on the one hand, and sort of, a, you know, Democrats being a little less disillusioned and independents being a little less disillusioned about President Obama and about the Democratic Party. I do think now, this has been a very bad two or three weeks, the VA scandal really hit, hits everyone. Everyone knows people who've you know, sort of gone to veterans' hospitals, and it's not some, you know, exotic thing that you read about only in the paper. It also gets a ton of local news coverage, you know. I mean, it's, it's a story in Phoenix, it's a story in Dallas. It's not just you see it, but you watch it on the national news shows, you watch it on your local news, and people talk about it at, uh, at work. So, that what the VA, I think, issue is bigger than a lot of people in Washington realize. Combined with an economic slowdown, at least in the first quarter, actually negative growth, as you say, 
Uh, and combined with a sense that I think is increasingly pervasive that the world is kind of falling apart. I was really struck by the reaction to Obama's West Point speech. Uh, the Washington Post was incredibly tough. I quote them in my editorial up today, uh, criticizing the speech. But the New York Times, the New York Times, the most pathetic lapdog editorial page uh, in America probably for Obama, uninspired, no real strategic vision, didn't really think much of the speech. It was really striking. David Ignatius, a liberal columnist in the Post, who gets all these private briefings with Obama, uh, wasn't very excited about it. So uh, you can't deny that the world, things are fraying at the edges, uh, best at the edges, unfortunately fraying beyond the edges around the world. You can't deny the VA scandal. You can't deny the economic slowdown. Suddenly, I think an awful lot of independent voters, moderate voters, some Obama voters in 2012, Washington Post endorsed Obama in 2008, 2012. <laughs> so some Obama supporters look up and say, "Yeeks, this is not good." I mean, what's the, you know, what's what's what what what's there to be proud of, and what this administration has done, and what the Democratic senators helped this administration to do? I still think Republicans would be well advised to push harder on a bunch of populist reform measures here in Washington. I hope Republican candidates are aggressive and saying we'll do this when we take over in 2015, not just. We won't do this that the Democrats are doing in 2014. But I do think, yeah, the political landscape has improved quite a bit for Republicans, or more precisely, has gotten quite a bit worse for Democrats in the last two or three weeks. You know, it's a real challenge when uh, your, your uh, former colleagues on uh, Fox News, you know, uh, uh, the, with, with Brett Baer, uh, Charles Krauthammer was uh, talking about kind of the record under Obama as of late, and Juan Williams countered with, you, when you uh, say that everything's negative under President Obama, you lose your credibility. And I stopped as you were saying that. I was thinking, I get the point that he's making. You don't want to be just a knee-jerk, you know, negative, what is it, uh, nattering nabob of negativism. Sure. But, if you, but if you waterboarded me and asked me, say something, you know, say a good consequence of Obama policies, I'm not trying to be negative or facetious. I would be hard-pressed to come up with one, it's kind of like what is Hillary Rodham's you know, uh, legacy, a you know, positive legacy of the State Department. I'm once again not trying to be you know a partisan. I'm very, it's very difficult to find the good news. Maybe that's what we should be coaching people on, Bill. Here are a couple of good things to say about the president to leaven the mountain of criticism that that is there on this horizon. Yeah, that'd be a good thing to get, try to get Republicans to. To, to volunteer to say that that'll be I think, tough finding a lot of volunteers for that. I, I might have trouble volunteering for that. Look, that's why they're going to run a totally negative campaign this right. year. They are running totally negative campaigns against Republicans in the different states, and the, a lot of those negative attacks can be, you know, obviously responded to. But it is why it really would be helpful to have a positive, forward-looking agenda because probably is their best case still is, you know, the the financial meltdown was under Bush. Uh, it could be a lot worse if there weren't Obama there to stop these Republicans from, uh, you know, get, have, uh, causing another meltdown, and also all the ludicrous war on women stuff and all that. And and you can play defense on that, but you've got to be on the on on offense too. And that's again why the positive populist reform agenda is important. Why I think taking on Obama's conduct of foreign policy is important, not just being quiet about foreign and defense policy. But I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, it really is startling when you think. What, honestly, honestly, if you were a sincere liberal, what, what is it you would say that President Obama has accomplished that's so, that's so uh, terrific? Uh, well, no doubt Jay Carney will write it all in his new book before he gets his job. I don't know why, but the letters MSNBC are appearing in my head, Bill Crystal. I don't know why that is. Uh, thanks so much for joining us for today's Weekly Standard Podcast. 
Please be sure to check out weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.